Hey guys, this is Sarah from Engage Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast today. Subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes so you'll get sermons as we upload them. We would love for you to leave comments and like our podcasts in iTunes as well. If you have any more questions or want more info about Engage Church, check out our website at engagechurchduluth.com. Enjoy. So a couple things I'm going to start out with is just um, some things that we believe um, that aren't actually true. So uh, Napoleon, you know, the, the old uh, war guy, we all know him as like this short dude. Not true. Actually, the guy was like 5'8", and uh, they actually just did that as like kind of like a mental war tactic. Apparently, if you were a small general and you uh, won a lot of battles, it, it was a little intimidating, they thought. So that's something that we believe that isn't true. Also, uh, we've heard like the Great Wall of China is the only man-made structure that's seen from outer space. In my many years as an astronaut, I can tell you that's not true. Uh, no, I haven't been an astronaut. But that's actually, there's many man-made structures you can see from space. And actually, the Great Wall, Wall of China is almost impossible to see from space, uh, which is kind of interesting. So there's one that can just go and, and uh, you can throw that one away. Um, one is uh, penguins, that they, they actually mate for life. I, apparently penguins are, are not that faithful to their mates. They do it for like one season and they often find another mate out there. So just things that blew my mind this week as I was really working hard in my office to find some things. Uh, this is how I spend my time. But yeah, so there's, there's other things out there too when we look at our spiritual lives. And one of those things is that People often say and they believe that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. And I want to talk about that today. You know, um, especially when it comes to um, God. You know, I am a pastor. I believe in Jesus. And so I'm going to definitely be biased on that end of it. But we're going to talk about some other religions today. I'm not necessarily knocking them down or anything like that. I'm just going to show you some points here. And so uh, many would say, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. You know, you're a good person. Um, you do the right things. And life will just go well for you. You know, you, you hear that a lot. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? I, I, it just does. That's, that's something that I like to believe that is true. Another, another thing that goes along with that is it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, because let's be honest, if we believe that God is good, right, then why would a good God send any person to hell? That just, that just wouldn't make sense to us. And so we, we come up with these man-made ideas, and we start to present them as truth, but in reality, they're really just not truth. I want to talk about that today. And so um, there's very little controversy in our culture, I'll say our culture, probably the world, about God, and there's very little controversy in our culture about spirituality, really. I mean, you know, you see the baseball player hit a home run and kind of, I don't even know the recipe that he does, but, you know, points up to God, and, and that's all cool. Nobody's, nobody's freaking out about that. It's, it's all good. You know, you have somebody uh, maybe um, uh, pray a, a certain way, and, and that's all good. Like, nobody's really getting out of control, upset about that. Spirituality is pretty cool. We're, we're fine with that. But it's when we mention the name Jesus. When we mention the name Jesus, just the world goes crazy. People get a little antsy. People get a little bit funny. And that's what I want to talk about today. 
when it comes to Jesus, no one really debates his existence. There's really not many people. In fact, I found it very interesting. Um, I was watching a video of a person that went to um, Israel and was actually asking Jewish people what they thought of Jesus. And most of them, I, I was shocked by this. I thought everybody in Israel would be just like this big, like, Jesus follower and stuff. It was kind of not the case at all. Um, they believe in Jesus, but they just kind of feel like, yeah, he was a good teacher. He was just this guy that kind of hung out on earth for a while, no big deal. Um, it, it was really interesting. Even, like, his detractors actually acknowledge that he lives. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, they, they don't really think he's the Messiah the savior of the world, somebody that we should follow, they really just, um, they, they say like, yeah, he lived, he was a man, um, and that's about as far as it goes. Like he had great teaching. Um, and that's, that's another thing. It's like most of us, even in here, we may be here deciding what we think of Jesus today or, or maybe our experience has just been, you know, like what I, what I know of the church or religion or Jesus, whatever category that is, it's kind of an ugly thing. Because I've, I've been told what I should look like, how I should act, uh, how, who I should be, and it's been kind of in, in a rude way. So our, our, our perspective is kind of skewed. But we would even say, man, but when I look at the teaching of Jesus, when I look at the teaching of Jesus, I mean, who, who wouldn't love this? I mean, he helped the poor. He loved people. He blessed people. He served people. He said, by, you know, if you're going to be a great leader, you need to know how to serve. I mean, this is just awesome awesome teaching. And the best one yet is he talked about forgiveness. He taught about forgiveness. So all of us in here would say, yeah, man, I mean, I want to get on board with that kind of teaching. So even people that, you know, that maybe don't believe, they, they would say, I really love the idea of his teaching, which was true in some cases, some might say. So why do people go all crazy throughout history in scripture and outside of scripture, the world and in our culture now when we mention Jesus? Because it's about one exclusive claim that Jesus himself made. It ultimately went to his death on the cross. Uh, he, you know, he rose again three days later. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it was this exclusive claim that really people just get nuts about, not only now, but in history and all throughout. And it's found in John 14, 6, out of Jesus' mouth. He says, Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Here it is. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow, what a claim. I mean, in a lot of ways, that, that kind of feels arrogant. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're hearing Jesus say that back in the day, and you're like, we're waiting for the Messiah, you're claiming you are, that's a very bold statement. But he says we don't get an opportunity to get to the Father except for through him. So I would just say this is I would say that we really need to highly consider that claim. That's not something we should read over and just kind of walk past and, and just be like, eh, you know, no big deal, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that later. We'll think about that later. That's something that we, I mean, man, that, that hits you point blank and you need to make kind of, you know, you need to make a decision. That claim, that's an eternal claim. And so what I want to say here is that a lot, uh, uh, just going back on that, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. I, I want to talk about some world religions, and again, this isn't to put one up or put one down. I just want to explain some things in them, because here's the reality. All world religions are not the same. You can't find one thing that's the same about any of them. There is some beauty and some truth 
in the world religions, but they're not all the same. There's some beauty and there's some truth, but they're not all the same. Buddhism, there's no God, there's no type of final destination. You're just recreated, recreated, and you become one with the universe, and that cycle just continues if, if you, you know, stay connected with the universe. Hinduism, it's a very impersonal God, okay? So, so it's a very impersonal God, and their approach to God is actually through statues, deities, you know, like, like they have thousands of gods. It's like water, uh, rain, fire, wood, you know, it's, it's just a bunch of these things, right? So, so Hinduism, it's not, there's no personal God, uh, it's just this approach through statues, deities. Buddhism and his, uh, Hinduism, sorry, <clears throat> don't offer forgiveness of sins or supernatural help. They just believe in karma, so in other words, if somebody runs up here right now, kicks me in the shin, I'm going to chip you as you go off the stage, and bam, you got what you deserve. That's just called karma. I don't know why it had to be physically violent on me, but that's where my brain is this morning. So apparently I want to trip somebody. Um, but that's, that's where, um, where they are, are similar. They don't offer forgiveness um, of sins, no supernatural help. It's just karma. It just is what it is. Um, Muslims, they worship Allah. It's a very personal God. There's no secondary gods, and um, there's an absolute total ban on idols. You do not worship wood or statues or anything like that. No, no way. And they, uh, they take that really serious if you, if you really watch. Um, your standing demands on your religious devotion and your works. In other words, <clears throat> it's all based on what you do. It's all based on what you do there, and, and if, you're, if you're really devoted, you know, you wake up in the morning, and you, you do one, two, three, four, five, and everything's like devoted to Allah, and it's in that order, and, and things like that. I mean, I don't know the details of each of these religions, but that's, that's what it is. New Age, um, not a personal God, it's just this idea that there's a higher consciousness, like, yes, I get that there's a force, and we want to be a part of it, and, and they may believe more like in the cosmos, and and the universe tells them things and, and things like that, right? Some of us uh, may be kind of like rolling our eyes, our eyes here, but there's interesting facts in all of these. Christianity, there's a very personal God, a God that we can approach, that, that pursues us. Um, he loved us so much in his pursuing of us, each individual, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, Right? And here it is that he, he shows us love, he shows us forgiveness, and we believe that there's forgiveness through sin, through believing in Jesus and believing in his resurrection. That's very important. There's no other religion in the world that believes in a resurrected Jesus. Christianity has that exclusively. So as you could see, all we, uh, I think we can throw that out the door when, when we really say, some of us, or, or we hear the idea that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, we can see that it really does matter what you believe. No, no matter what religion you're, you're into, there's differences. It's very important what you believe, and it's very important what you consider, especially when you hear an exclusive claim from Jesus that I am the way and the life and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's something that we have to consider. And so today, that's exactly what I want to ask you to do. I want to I ask you to consider Jesus. 
Just go for the next few minutes and take away all your experience. Take away maybe all the bitterness inside you, all the rejection that you've ever felt, all the sin that you've ever committed, all the things that you think it's about, and consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to consider engaged church. Thank you for being here. You're always welcome. As you can see, there's some chairs that need to be filled. Invite some people in. Coffee's always hot. Donuts and the bananas are always good. Quick chip, 29 cents a pound. Beautiful. We want you here. We're excited that you're here. It's not about what you've done, where you've been. You know, some of you are carrying your sin from last night and this morning on you. We are so glad that you're here. You're in the right place. This is not saying to consider this church, this local church. We're asking you to consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to consider a religion called Christianity because I'll talk in a little bit that Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to start a religion. I'm not asking you to uh, consider a life of some so-called Christians that you've seen in the past that are very judgmental, haughty, think they got it all right, and yet are probably hypocritical and blind and, and just, let's just say it, mean. I'm not asking you to consider that lifestyle. I'm definitely not asking you to look at me and consider me because I'll let you down at least once a year. I'm I'm pretty good at that. Um, I'm asking you to consider Jesus. Consider the ministry of Jesus. All right, let's talk about that for a minute. This is just a a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So in Mark 2, 16 uh, through 17, it says this. When the teachers of the law, that's just people that really understood the law that that God gave Moses, right? Who were Pharisees, this is just kind of a name for them, saw Jesus eating with sinners. That's pretty much everybody. And tax collectors, they asked his disciples. Now when they were asking, this wasn't just like a polite ask. This was like a haughty uh, kind of ask, you know, snotty, if you will. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, I love this, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. So let me tell you something here this morning. If if you don't know this truth, you heard it today. If you feel like you are in your darkest season of life, if you feel like you're caught up in the, the worst sin of your life, Jesus came for you. Jesus wants to meet with you in a very real way. He's not ashamed of you. He's not turning his back on you. He's running towards you. His word says that he's at the door knocking. And if we would just open that door, that he wants to sit down and have a meal with us as a friend. He wants to be your friend. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You need to hear that this morning. He's running after you. He did not come for the healthy. He came for the sick. And that's why I raise both my hands and say, I am a messy sinner. I don't sin on purpose all the time, every day, nothing like that. But man, I'm a mess and I need Jesus. Thank you that you came for the unhealthy and the sick because I needed you. That should make us rejoice this morning. This is why we have to consider Jesus. Others despised people. (coughs) Jesus loved them. Others would reject certain people. Jesus embraced them and accepted them where they were at. There's a woman, this is like a a scene that I like talking about often because it's so visual. 
I mean, there was, a, there was a Bible study, if you will. There was people that were studying scripture. And this is back in Jesus' time. He was present. And there was a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Okay, in the act. That means, not to go graphic here, but she wasn't like all, like, let's do my hair up and, and dress. This was a woman that was probably nude, and they, they ripped her out of that act, and they bring her in. Imagine just in the middle here of this room for judgment. There were some, some religious leaders that were meeting, and Jesus happened to be there, and these people brought her in. And the penalty for that, without question, was stoning. You take a stone and everybody throw a stone until death happened. I mean, just, that just breaks your heart right there. And all these people were justified in what they were about to do to this woman because that was what the law is, right? I mean, you speed, you get a speeding ticket. Nobody feels bad for you. You go break into the quick trip down the road and you get two years in jail, we don't really feel bad for you. It's called consequences. It happens, right? So this stoning, that was just part of this is what you do. This is what happens. But Jesus stands up and he says, you guys got this wrong. And what he does is there, there was sand there. And he actually starts writing in the sand. And, and there's nothing in scripture that tells us this, but there's some very smart scholars that claim that what he was writing down was just sin. Hate, greed, lust, pride. And he's just writing this in the sand. And one by one, he says, let the, let the one who has no sin throw the first stone. And this woman is laying there, and one by one, the people that wanted to accuse her and stone her walk away because they're like, yep, I'm not perfect either. Jesus just stood in the place of this woman and said, you guys aren't doing this today. And he tells this woman, get up, brush yourself off, go, and very firmly says, sin no more. It didn't mean go about your business and you just do whatever. You think that woman wasn't changed for the rest of her life? Well, we don't really get to see that, but boy, that had to have impacted. She faced death, and Jesus came and forgave because he did not come for the righteous. He came for that sinner. I just imagine how many of us feel like a sinner today and need to know that Jesus came for us. His ministry was, didn't just stop there at forgiveness. I mean, it's just amazing. We could talk story after story after story, a woman at the well, and, and it's just amazing. But he also opened, the blind, he opened blind eyes. He healed deaf people. This really happened. It's amazing. He, he had mute people speak. He healed lepers, just a horrible disease that caught you in open sores all over your body, head to toe, just an awful, awful thing to have to deal with. He'd heal them. He walked on water. I think that's pretty cool. With just a, a few loaves and, and some, a couple fish, he fed 5,000 people, and that's really just the men that they counted, not to mention the women and the children were there, so it was probably more like fifteen to 20,000 people. And an amazing miracle just kept multiplying. And he raised the dead. There's a man in the Bible that uh, was his friend and he called him out of the tomb and rose him from the dead. This is Jesus. It's crazy, it's mind-blowing, I understand that. But don't we have to consider him with those claims? That's not something we could just shut the door on and walk away from. You're faced with this, I need to consider this. I need to consider this. And the great thing about it is that he came for the sick. I love that. I, I oftentimes remind myself of that. Jesus just did all these miracles. It's crazy. Some of you are miracles. 
I know some of your stories, and, and it's just amazing, some of the, the physical miracles, the spiritual miracles. I'm going to tell you about two in my life very, very fast, because I'm a miracle. When I was um, an infant, and, and it never really hit me in my life until now that I have three kids, and I'm like, man, I just can't imagine having to watch them go through this. But when I was an infant, I, I had epilepsy. Um, I was born with a cord wrapped around my neck a bunch of times. It, it separated like my vertebrae a little bit and like some nerve stuff happened. And so this was a scary thing for my parents. In fact, when I was like one, I had 64 grand mal seizures in 48 hours. And just to tell you what a grand mal seizure is, it's what you think about when you think of a seizure. Like your tongue goes back, you lose consciousness, you convulse. I mean, that's a lot on your body. I, I just, I cannot imagine seeing my one-year-old daughter go through something like that. And, and that's what happened in 48 hours. And honestly, I should not even be able to talk right now. I should be in a wheelchair and have to be weighted on hand to foot because your temperature rises when you have a convulsion like that. It can do brain damage. It's just all kinds of craziness. It's, it's absolutely insane. So the doctors, um, they put me on some stuff, uh, Dilantin actually, and um, I, I just started to get better and better. My parents would pray, the church would pray. Um, it was really kind of a cool story. And by the time I was 10 years old, I threw the Dilantin out with the doctor's orders, and I haven't had a seizure since. I, they, they were like, they literally have no idea. They put me on a scanner, and they're like, this dude is normal, and he should have half of his brain like missing right now because of all the stuff that he's been through. I am a physical miracle of Jesus. And hey, I know that that's a wild thing for some of us to hear. I get that. I'm just telling you what I believe. My Jesus touched me and healed me. I don't know why. Maybe he just wanted me to be here for this sermon so that you personally would consider Jesus this morning and recognize the miracle you are. Another spiritual miracle of my life is that I would love to tell you because I knew I was touched by God, if you will, that I just gave my life to him right then. It's not true. My dad was a pastor, and, and I, I, I've always believed in God, but I didn't really like what I saw in Christians, to be honest with you. And I was like, man, if that's what it's like to be a Christian, I just really don't want to be a part of it. Felt judgmental and hypocritical, and I was wondering why we're supposed to be like embracing the world and loving on people and letting the Holy Spirit convict their hearts and move them forward. But yet, every person I met in the in the church wanted to tell me what was wrong with me and why I needed to be two steps forward than where I actually was and where I felt like God had me. It was just a race I didn't want to run, and some of us have to get out of that race and realize that it's it's a personal relationship with Jesus. But something that happened to me in that is I, I went away from the church. I did that. The church didn't push me away. I cannot blame that on the church. That was my decision. I went away from the church, and I like to party. My name is Josh, and I like to party. So I like to party. And that just kind of got a hold of me. I was a dude that set up the keggers, and, and uh, we just got it going every time, right? And then I just kind of became that guy, you know, the fun guy, whatever. And uh, that just didn't stop pretty much every night for 10 years of my life. And that became a problem. And so uh, I found myself somehow in the party. It stopped being fun, and it was more of like a, a, something that I needed. I found myself one time where I had worked uh, 64 or 69 days in a row and, and um, partied every night. And I remember laying on the ground. I had a mirror propped up next to my bed. I know a lot of you guys have heard this story before. And, uh, and I just gave up, but I didn't give up on the partying. I actually accepted it more. I had a bottle of Jack Daniels in my hand, who knows what else. And uh, I looked in the mirror at myself and I said, this is as good as you're ever going to be. This is who you are. This is the best life's ever going to be for you. And I just remember down in it and I woke up the next day. I'm not proud of that, 
But that's really what happened. And I don't know how in that moment of drunkenness that God lets me remember that, but I will never forget that moment because I was really giving up on me and I was just accepting my crutch or my, my addiction. And uh, I never want to do that again in my life. But what was interesting is the next day, uh, I think it was actually a couple days after, I was playing cards at a friend's house and this awesome, super, way too good for me, blonde girl walks in the room. And for whatever crazy reason, she decided to go out to dinner with me. And because of my skills, uh, we end up getting, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, actually, there's so many stories I could tell you of why this woman even stayed with me. I have no idea. But she's up in the kids' factory right now running the kids, and she's my wife, and we have three beautiful kids. And God is just, he started pursuing my life. And as I gave and considered Jesus more and more, it took a couple years. As I considered him more and more, I found myself on a golf course one day, and I'm saying I'm never going to touch another drop of alcohol in my life because I know that's not what you have for me. You have something else for me. That was my thing. That wasn't something I read in Scripture. That wasn't something that a denomination made me do. I said, this is hindering me from God. And I haven't done it since, and that's been like 11 years ago. So I'm really excited about that. And um, God's totally changed my life. And um, I'm a miracle that way because I was giving up on myself. I was kind of giving up on life in some ways. So consider the ministry of Jesus. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for you. He loves you dearly. And we're excited that you're here this morning to hear that truth. Somebody needs to hear that today. I need to hear that today. Consider the resurrection of Jesus. Right? God loves us. You just heard that. God loves us. Man, he loves us so much I can't even preach enough messages on it. But he hates sin. That's just the bottom line. He hates sin. I know that that's not always good news for us, right? But there's, there is some uh, good news in this. <coughs> What's interesting is Jesus, he's, he's accused one night, he's taken in, he's judged, and he's put on this cross. It was just a, a painful, painful thing. And this is the heart of Jesus. So they nailed his hands to the cross. I mean, I know that we think about this, and, and sometimes like Easter comes around, we're just like, you know, we see the picture of Jesus crucified, and it's like kind of, you know, we throw it on Facebook or put it on our phones as a screensaver, and it's just kind of something we get used to. But think about nails piercing the skin and going through the feet and being whipped, beaten so badly that it, his own mother couldn't recognize him. I mean, that's like flesh ripped away from you and swollenness and, oh, it just had to be just absolutely crazy. And through all of that, Jesus sits on this cross and he looks up to the Father and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he just says, it's finished. Into your hands I give you my, my life. Consider the resurrection. You know, this is, this is um, absolutely insane the scene. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. I could, I could just go on and on, but I can't here today. Is that the, there was a, um, a, a soldier there, and, and, and he was actually one that beat him and thought, again, that he was doing the right thing by putting him on the cross. And because of Jesus' claim when he was on the cross, like, Father, forgive them. And then he says, you know, into my hands I commit my life and he dies, this man looks up at him and says, surely this was the man of God, or the son of God. So in that moment, this guy that just beat him realizes who he put on the cross. 
can we put on the cross? Another thing that came that was just amazing, and so if you feel, again, like you're too far into sin, I, I'm sorry, I gotta tell you you're wrong. I gotta tell you you're wrong. Because there's a criminal, like you didn't go to the cross because you, uh, you know, picked somebody's pocket. You didn't go to the cross because you stole a loaf of bread. You went to the cross because you were a horrible criminal that they wanted to not only make a, a public scene of, but they wanted to hurt you. They wanted it to be a long, painful death. That's what the cross was designed to do. And there was two criminals that died next to Jesus on separate crosses. One taunts Jesus. You can read this in scripture. He taunts Jesus and he says, hey, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Come on, you got power. And the other criminal looks across at that criminal and says, are you crazy? Do you realize who you're mocking? This is the son of God. We deserve to be up here. This man doesn't. You want to know what Jesus does in that moment? This is a criminal. Lived his entire life probably as a criminal. Deserved to be there. But in that one moment of putting his faith and his trust in Jesus, Jesus says this. This day you will be with me in paradise. Snatches him right like that. You're never too far gone. It's never too late to consider Jesus. That's what that criminal on the cross did. And I bet you as he's dancing in heaven right now, he's pretty darn excited that Jesus was next to him that day. He considered Jesus. When you look at the, uh, the resurrection, so, so Jesus dies there three days later. The stone is rolled away, right? This huge stone. And, and, and this is actually something that uh, Peter says in Acts 3.15. says, you killed the author of, of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And so this is like a, a big claim. I mean, there's a lot of things out there that you can go and read. And I would say, study the resurrection. If you're, if you're doubting a little bit, study the resurrection because you're going to find some answers in that. I really would say that. But there were some people back in the day that were like, ah, the Roman soldiers stole the body of Jesus, right? He didn't really raise from the dead. They stole the body. And, um, and that's why he wasn't there the next day. Well, let me tell you something. The Roman soldiers are the ones that put him in there. They would have loved to have produced a body to say, see, he didn't really get up and rise again. He is officially dead. Quit the rumors. It's, it's put to sleep. Jesus did not raise from the dead. They would have loved to produce a body. So that accusation goes right out the door. There's no reason that a Roman soldier would have stole the body. Others would say that the disciples took the body. Okay? The Roman soldiers were like the military, the strongest military force in the world at that time. And so the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, were these uneducated, literally, like, fishermen, just like, they weren't like warriors, okay? And so you would have to, the, the, the soldiers guarding Jesus were many, and so what you would have to say and believe is that they overpowered all those soldiers, right? These, these uneducated guys that couldn't probably scheme up a plan. They overpowered all those soldiers and, and guards, and then they took the body of Jesus by the way, you would still have the testimony of those guards saying somebody came in the middle of the night and they bonked us on the head and all of a sudden the body's gone. There's none of that. You can't find it in scripture or out of scripture. Nobody says that. So that did not happen. And do you really think that any rational person, rational person, would really think and believe that 11 small town, uneducated, average men devised the most elaborate scheme to steal a body pulled it off, and kept it a secret. I mean, that is a lot to believe over believing that Jesus raised from the dead. 
consider Jesus. There was one uh, of his disciples, closest followers, and um, he actually doubted. His name was Thomas, right? This guy doubted. He's just like, man, I just, I don't believe it, Jesus. You know, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. And then he experiences the, the resurrected Jesus. He has a moment with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. Watch how this can change your life. So he's like, I won't believe it. And Jesus puts out his hands. He's like, Thomas, look at these holes in my hands. I think that's neat that they stayed there. And then Thomas goes on years later, you know, from, from that moment on, he goes on to be the biggest evangelist in Asia. The biggest. I mean, he goes around, he tells everybody uh, in, in India, sorry, not Asia. At the end of his life, which didn't take very long, because he was out there making the way for Jesus and telling people about it, he was speared to death. Now you tell me how somebody goes from doubting that Jesus was risen from the dead to, to be an evangelism willing to die for that. Only somebody that experiences the resurrection. Only somebody that sees it for themselves and believes. I would say consider Jesus. Consider his ministry. Consider his resurrection. And the third thing that I would say is consider his eternal message. We'll finish up here. Ben, you guys can kind of make your way up here if you want. I'll get this out of your way. It would be consider, sorry, I just got to get this out of their way. I'm not walking away from you. Consider the eternal message of Jesus. I want to read uh, Romans 3.22. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith, our trust, Right? Our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Everyone means everyone. If you're not getting the message today, if you're feeling messy, if you're feeling like a sinner, consider Jesus. This is for you. Everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Something that's hard for us to grab is that when we come to Jesus, the grace and the mercy that he has looks something like this. It's Christ plus nothing else. I just had a meeting in my office with a couple this week, and, and there was a question that came out that said, you know, sometimes I wonder if I'm really saved, if, I, if, if, if Jesus really loves me, because it just seems like that's too easy. It seems like it's too easy to confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And the word Lord translated into the English means boss. That he's the boss of your life. That his principles are your principles. His ways are your ways. That you'll study him and look more like him. Romans tells us that that is the first step into being saved. And then the second is that we believe in our hearts. We believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. We confess with our mouth that he's the Lord of our life. And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. It's that simple. It is Christ plus nothing else. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can give. It's your trust in him. That's what saves you.
The reason that I started out with religions is because religion really is this. And this is why I don't like religion. Religion is what I do. Right? It's, it's, it's everything I do. If I stand up right, if I sit down right, if I cut my hair, if I dress a certain way, if I act a certain way, if, if the right kind of instruments are on the stage, if, it, if I say the right things, if I'm always perfect, if I paint a picture like on Facebook or Instagram, like I have the best life out there, then, then that's what it's about. That's what religion says. What relationship says when we consider Jesus and we move into this relationship with him and we, we start to look more like him and we, we start to pursue him, we start to love him. It's not about what we do, it's about what he's done. It's about that cross that he died on. That's what relationship says. Religion says it's about me. Relationship says it's about Jesus. Amen. That's exciting. Religion says it's about doing relationship said it's already done guys I lived a lot of my life exhausted because I was trying to do I'm just trying to be this person for Jesus right like like I had to prove something it's like no it's not about that Josh like get over yourself it's about what I did scripture John 3 uh, 30 says he needs to become more we need to become less what, rela- what relationship is, is just showing the world Jesus through the way that we love our spouses and our, handle our relationships, how we discipline our kids. I said it, discipline our kids. How we live generously, and they can see that. They can see the joy as we go out to a place like Chipotle, as we give on a Sunday morning so we could do things like the candy carnival and reach as we spend more time with God in our personal devotion because we love him so much. This is how the world sees Jesus, more of him, and sees less of us. I like to say that, Lord, I just want to become a shadow of you. Religion says, if, o- if I obey, God will love me. Please listen to this right now. Religion says, if I obey, God will love me. If I obey, God will do something for me. Things will go right. Relationship says, because God loves me, I want to obey. See the difference there? When we consider Jesus, we realize that it's the love of him that changes us, not what we do for him. Jesus never put out that he wanted us to confess our sins for him. He wants us to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another because he wants healing in our lives. Aren't you tired of carrying around all this weight? Aren't you tired of doing in life? Wouldn't you like to just rest in the fact that Jesus has already done it? Would you guys stand with me here this morning? Guys, I know we mention these cards a lot, but these are very, very important. Number one is they they give me your name because I want to get to know you guys. Number two is they do have a a spot on there where maybe you're committing your life to Christ. You want to say yes to Jesus. Let him in. You've considered him. Mark this on on there, and there's a bucket in the back. Just place it in there. Nobody's going to see it. I'm going to see it. And you'll get an email, phone call, whatever you want. Right? We just want to stay connected with you guys. Some of you guys are feeling heavy. I, I have this saying that we say all the time in here. Is that Jesus loves you right where you're at. 
but he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. And maybe that little uncomfortable feeling is just him tugging a little bit, saying, just give that to me. Quit trying to do and realize that it's already done. And you might not know what your next step is, but just maybe it's coming to another Sunday morning experience like this next Sunday so you can hear one more thing about me. Maybe it is just giving me your life and saying, I'm done doing, I just want to realize this. And maybe you just start seeking after him a little bit each day, reading maybe one Bible verse or or asking somebody to talk with you, whatever that is. I don't know what that is, but sometimes marking it down on a card and just having somebody else see it's very important. So I'll tell you what we're going to do here. We're just going to end with the worship song. And when it's, when it's finished, you guys will, you know, just be dismissed. But just kind of sit in the moment. You know, sometimes we get done and we've had this moment to think about Jesus and we just head out the door and, and life starts to smack us in the face immediately. But let's just sit and realize how good God is. His ministry, that he didn't come for the righteous, but he came for the sinner. Amen, that should excite us. His resurrection, that it is just more impossible to believe it didn't happen than it is to say that it happened. That he's very much real and alive. And then his eternal message is that whoever believes, whoever puts their faith in Jesus is saved. Let's worship him. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to add us to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Engage Duluth on Facebook and on the web at EngageChurchDuluth.com. See ya!